Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show. It's a Friday free-for-all. And um, before we really dive into it, you guys got to check out Bet Online. It is the best place to bet on all your favorite sports. They've got football, NHL, pro and college hoops, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. They've got an updated website for your desktop or your mobile device. So check it out. Head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V. And you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Kyle, welcome to you to this podcast. There's no bonus or anything, but you know, just just the normal pay here. So welcome. What what's up? How's everybody doing? Are you playing any uh, any spins here on a Friday? I know you did this last week on the podcast. Any spins today on the show? You know what? I didn't have it open, but now that you mention it. No, I no, do I don't. No. no, 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 no. There goes 20 bucks. Hey, I'm, I am, first of all, last time I played, I was up $3 by the end of the podcast, you jackass. Second of all, I'm in a great place because I hit my parlay, my props parlay, on Sunday. So I have more so, money in my account right now than I've had in weeks i know but we're doing deep dives on players that, like we're getting it like you, the focus has got to be there and you, if you're getting free spins and you're it's just not going to go well for the show i just don't <laughs> yeah. think it's a good idea yeah well yeah. you're 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 never gonna know because actually you would know if i hit free spins but as far as you're concerned we're doing deep dives on two players that joe and i have done for our initial final report write-ups uh for the upcoming 2022 NFL draft season. And we each found a player in the first week uh, that we believed in so much that we assigned top 10 evaluation grades based on film to these two players. And that's obviously very exciting. Top 10 film grade or top 10 valuations are scarce. They're hard to come by. Um, But Joe, I don't know about you, between the one you gave out, the one that I gave out, uh, the one that Dre gave out this week, uh, and, and the one Keith gave out, we got a pretty good representation already. And there's been certain classes where you, we've gotten through the whole class and you don't find 10 guys that you're like, yeah, this guy would really, truly, in a perfect world end up being a top 10 pick. 
Well, and we start with the best players. So, I, I mean, if we're going to catch them, we usually do towards the beginning. Um, but I, I do feel encouraged that we can have, as far as consensus goes, that that gets a little bit dicey, but maybe five, right? Like five or six consensus, like everybody's on board, top 10 caliber prospect in any year. I mean, which is which is good. And I, I think that's a good number to get to if we can. I mean, obviously it's not a, a goal or anything like that. Like it, it falls where it falls, but you know, we we've talked about some of the dynamics of this class and how there's some blue chippers, but then there's kind of that drop off. And so I think this year, as much as any year, it's important for us to find these premium talents, the guys that, you know, you're not going to want to trade away from if you get a chance to, to pull the trigger on one of these guys in the, in, in, in the top 10. Do you know how many consensus top 10 picks we had in last year's class? I'd guess four. We did have four. They were Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts, and Jalen Waddle. Those were uh, Jamar Chase was our next highest ranked, or I'm sorry, Justin Fields and then Jamar Chase were our next highest ranked players. Uh, but those were the four that got consensus top 10 grades from the entirety of our group for the 2021 NFL draft. So you mentioning, you know, if we can get the six, then, then, you know, this is kind of a shift from what we originally anticipated this draft class was going to look like, right? Because we, we had initially said, yeah, man, like you get through the first six spots or so, and you get a real hard time in mock drafts starting to find some guys, but there's some fresh names that are, are working their way in here. Well, Kyle, can I jump in real quick and just ask, like, isn't that what the, the isn't that the fun part of the process is you go into it with this idea of, hey, this is what it's going to look like. And over the course of the evaluations and the presentations that, that you guys are starting to do, you start to kind of evolve. And, you know, we talked about it. The edge class in particular has got 20 names in the most recent TDN 100. Right. And so there are there are these bright spots that you can pick from all of this as this process kind of expands outward. Yes, this is it's a fluid process, right? And, and we're now kind of at the point where uh, film resumes are coming to a close and that fluidity of this part of the process, now you're kind of going to set guys in what bucket they're going to be in. And then the rest of the process is going to help you break the ties within those buckets, so to say. So it's that time of year, man. Final film assessments, the initial watch, Later, we'll do cross-checks and really flesh out the entire process. But we're in that uh, that early stage here. And like Kyle said, we got a couple of top 10 grades that at least Kyle and I have given out so far. And so shall we? Shall we have the deep dive conversation on these players? Yes. Would you like to start? Okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go okay. first. Okay. Cool. 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 I'm guessing, I'm guessing the title of this podcast will probably tell people which player – I'm going to talk about, so I'll I'll lose any uh, dramatic effect here. The player we're getting to is North Carolina State offensive tackle Ikem Ikwanu, and uh, I've been dialed in on Ikwanu for three years now, and that, and I love that. I love having been like in the the region and like seeing players develop and and having like the full picture of of their career. Right, it's really really fun, and mm -hmm. so I think that's. I think that actually helps me buy in even more on Iquano because I've seen the ascension and the glow up. So um, quick note here on the background. I think it's important. He comes from a family of athletes. 
Uh, his twin brother, he plays linebacker at Notre Dame. His father played college basketball in Nigeria, and his mother was a track star in high school. And so nice uh, athletic background. He also wrestled in high school in addition to playing football. And so um, I just kind of like to mention those things. I think one thing that you'll notice, uh, a common denominator for top NFL talent is is a lot of these guys played multiple sports in high school. And so Iquanu definitely fits that and, and his family, you know, a bunch of athletes as well. So Iquanu was a true freshman starter at left tackle for NC State. And um, outside of like one game at left guard across three seasons, I mean, he pretty much entrenched himself as the Wolfpack's left tackle. And he has an elite trait. It's his ability to run block. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster when he's run blocking. He's widening gaps, getting to the second level. He can handle power stacked right on top of him. And it's just pancake after pancake after pancake. I mean, this guy has devastating ability to create movement up front and move people against their will. I mean, he just snatches souls. He puts people on their back. And from day one, I I get very excited about the impact that he can have on an NFL offensive line in terms of improving the toughness and the mindset and the mentality, the edge that that unit's going to have. And so he can bring toughness and physicality to your football team. And so the, the run blocking really stands out. And I love the control that he has. A lot of times you'll see these offensive linemen that are maulers in the run game that want to create this space, but they don't have good control of their frame. They're all over the place. They're just looking to bury people, which you like, but it, you really like it when there's good body control and good coordination You know, from their upper and lower half. It's all working together to create this power. And he complements that with – you know, really, really exciting grip strength. And when he gets his hands on guys, when he locks horns, when he sets the clamps, I mean, this guy is is not easily displaced in terms of him blocking in the run game. And so he's just a complete run blocker. NC State, uh, very much a wide zone type rushing offense. And so you might hear me talk and think, well, this is a, a gap blocking scheme type player, which he certainly can do, but do not just eliminate this guy in a zone scheme because he's a terrific run blocker in the wide zone attack and the way that he creates that movement and just really makes these creases even longer uh, are, are, is really good. So he's not just a, he's a, he's a, he's an across the board scheme fit, right? Is in terms of pass protection, this is where I've seen the most growth from Equano. I mean, this guy was burying dudes from the first time he walked on the football field for NC state, but the growth has come in pass protection and most notably this past year. Now, where I think he's really made the most strides is how he frames blocks by getting to his set points and just being a lot more consistent with his mirroring ability, staying square, getting his hands on guys, you know, taking advantage of the best parts of his game, which are his size, his length, his power, and using that to get on top of pass rushers quicker and um, control them. Because like I said, if he sets the clamps, you're not getting around him. And so he uses that length and he, and he really does a good job of, of widening rush angles. Now, where I think there's a little bit of an issue is sometimes he can be susceptible to that inside move, and I think that's where some of the stiffness and I would call modest lateral quickness shows up. And, and if you want to really see an example of that, check out the Clemson game from this past year where Miles Murphy, one of their you know all-world recruits underclassmen, um, was able to really threaten and, and attack and cross his face a few times. And you saw Iquano just kind of struggle to 
to redirect and, and take, uh, you know, kind of shut down that inside gap. So that's kind of the thing that, that I get concerned about with him right now. But in terms of that overall ascension as a pass blocker with the footwork, with how he's framing blocks, with how he's getting his hands on people, with his length, I, I went into the season after watching him over the summer thinking, man, I think he might have to play guard. I came out of watching him in 2021 feeling very good about him being a high-quality left tackle in the NFL. So there's my – I guess that wasn't the elevator pitch. That was definitely a, a big dump of my <laughs> thoughts on Iquanu. But um, th- there's just there's something about watching this guy play and him execute and, and just impose himself on other human beings that gets me really, really excited. So obviously the obligatory parallel, and this is going to be the third time that I've asked you yeah. this in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but we always, you think about a power player with heavy hands, who's kind of overwhelming at the point of attack. And um, the name of Kai Beckton is the one in most recent memory that has really bubbled up and is the most recent prominent example of this kind of player and I, I have enjoyed hearing your insights, and I think the listeners of the show would enjoy hearing your insights as far as parallels and discrepancies between what Equanu brings as somebody who's really solidified himself in his final season versus a guy like, guy like Mikai Becton, who made a monstrous leap of his own into top 10 territory, which, I mean, Joe, this is what we're talking about right now with Equanu based on the evaluation you gave. Yeah, I think it's a really fair player to bring up, and and I like Becton, and I think Becton's going to be a good player. I'm concerned about some of the things that Coach Sala has said about his weight and, and those types of things about where he's at physically, but we know he's extremely capable, extremely talented. I mean, kind of a rare specimen. But where I think those two players really get separated for me is you, you love the, the power that they both have, the size, the length. All, all that's really, really good. I feel like Iquanu just is a more polished player. Like from a technique perspective, you see Iquanu much further ahead than Becton was at the same point in their respective college careers. And, you know, Becton really just kind of had that last year at Louisville. And you saw him just being able to take advantage of just being bigger and stronger than everybody that he had to face. And like technique was a, was a bit of an afterthought because he didn't need it. And, for Iquano, I think you've seen him develop into a more polished technician, and that's enabled him to maximize that power in, in his overall like physical skill set because he's really improved from a technique perspective. And so that's where I get a lot – that's where I find a lot more optimism in Iquano. And I, I hate – I don't want to talk down on Becton because I like Becton. I had a first-round grade on Becton. But that's where I distinguish the two – it's just that they both give you the power. I mean, obviously, Iquano's not as big as Becton. I mean, but you get the same type How of power. How does his power have compare? More technique. Well, I mean, they, they both deliver knockout blows, man. Um, I think Becton may, may have more, to be honest with you. Um, it's just like it's it's kind of like that brute power. It's just like I, I mm-hmm. can throw you around the club where Iquano is more – okay, yeah, I can throw you around the club, but I'm going to do it in a more coordinated way to get my body working in unison in terms of rolling my hips into you and fitting my hands and accelerating my feet and doing those types of things to maximize my play strength as opposed to, all right, you're in my way. I'm, you know, King Kong and and you're going to be thrown to the ground. You know, just kind of a different application of the power. So predictively, the ceiling and the floor. 
And obviously we don't know what the final draft order is going to yeah. look like for another month or so, but kind of just knowing what teams are going to be in that range. And do we see top five, like where Andrew Thomas got drafted a couple of years ago in that really good offensive tackle class that had Mackay Becton in it with all those other names. I feel like I want to see more of Evan Neal and Charles Cross before I answer this. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not going to dodge the question. I just feel like having that answer will really help me feel better about what I would say. But I, I just feel like there's so much for a team to fall in love with here with Iquanu, right? Like everything I just talked about in terms of the skill set and the background, like everything, indi- every indication I've been able to get is that he's a high character guy. Like I, I just feel like he can be viewed as this type of player that can obviously solidify your offensive line, but kind of a foundational piece that is going to bring leadership and toughness to your football team. Like there's, there's more than him just being a quality player. Like he's going to impact your team. And so, you know, if Andrew Thomas can be is picked as high as he can, I, I certainly feel like Iquanu's in that range. It's going to be about, all right, well, who's going to, who's going to fall in love, who has the need. But, you know, I think in that five to 15 range, I think that's so, like an appropriate bucket. Let me do this. I have Tankathon, our, our dear friends at Tankathon up. I'm okay. going to read you some some teams. You tell me right. yes or no, They may, if you make sense. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. The New York Giants. Man. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, they should be interested in him and, and – that creates some some weird dynamics, but I think you have to embrace them because I think he can he can help you get your best five on the field. I, I think if you're going to get your best five on the field, you could probably play t- Thomas at right tackle. Right, right. that's what I'm I saying. He, yeah, he played there. right tackle. He got to look yeah. there last year. Yeah. So uh, the New York Jets. Yes. Who plays right tackle in that situation? Becton. Probably Bakai, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's um, just because I think he has more room for technical growth. So, like, break him now, right? Like, right. The Carolina Panthers. Oh God, please print the jerseys. <laughs> print Hometown the jerseys, kid. man. <laughs> uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, if you tell me that Eichenberg is going to play guard, yeah. I mean, not that Eichenberg would stop you from Iquano. I, I t- here's the thing about Miami, and I've bought into this the more you've talked about it, Kyle. Is that how many more draft picks are we going to use on this offensive line? Like, you've got to get some, you got to get some veterans in there. You got to get some more known commodities. So I think that's where I may pivot a little bit. But in terms of prototype of this of that Dolphins regime, yeah, I mean, he's everything they want. So that's that's the extent of teams that you would generally consider to be left tackle needy or offensive line needy um, in the first half of the first round. So if you are a fan of one of those teams with the way that the draft order is set right now, maybe go watch some Ike Mikwano. And probably an important thing to mention here is if you're a team that's not in that top 15, probably get this guy off your radar unless you're going to move up. Just go ahead yeah, because he's been like my sneaky, like, you know, I'm a Bills fan. I'm like, oh, this guy would be great in the 20s. Like, yeah, you're damn right he would. He's just not going to be there. <laughs> right. So, so not that I'm predicting never say my, never, my but, ranking, but yeah. There's a, so. a team that, you know, could move up. Uh, but 
like you said, it's that that's a long way to go for an offensive tackle in a class that you mentioned, Evan Neal, who may also be in this conversation. Charles Cross may also be in this conversation. Trevor Penning in the back end of the first round, potentially. So like uh, the Ohio State kids, there's yeah. options, right? So yeah. uh, not sure you would see that all-in approach, especially for a team in the 20s to get into the range where you are grading Iquanu. Uh, I would like the record to state that during the course of Joe's presentation, I did win $12.90 on a 10 cent spin on Dragon Quest. I just, I kept it to myself. I got seven free spins. I got the three multiplier. And one of the the perks was every, uh, uh, one of the columns, every free spin turned into wilds. And then there was a 3x multiplier. So Dragon Quest, our friends over Bet Online, came in the clutch. <laughs> they just got me some Arby's for college football Saturday tomorrow. So, and in Kyle's defense, that was the Cheers. third time he's heard me talk about Iquano today. So, yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's been a long day for Kyle in that regard. Um, I would like to hear about but, Aiden Hutchinson for a second time today, though. That would make me happy. Sure. Yeah. Well, that this is. Um, Joe talking about if you're outside of a certain range, go ahead and get this guy off your radar. The list is even shorter than top 15 for Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, so Aiden Hutchinson, I'm, I'll give you the the quick kind of scouting meeting style presentation that I gave on of Aiden earlier today. And, and Joe, you can pivot this wherever you thought my most interesting commentary came. And Chris, if you have anything to add as well, please uh, feel free. But Aiden Hutchinson is uh, 6050, so six foot five. Uh, 265 pound estimate defensive end from the University of Michigan. Uh, if you are building out a 4-3 defensive end prospect and assembling the requ- required tools for a dominant prospect, the end result looks a lot like Aiden Hutchinson. This is a prototypical hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. He's a second-generation Michigan Wolverine football player. His father, Chris, played for the team from 89 to 92 and was the team's MVP. In 1992, and Aiden plays with the kind of motor and passion that leaves little doubt for his enthusiasm for both the game and the program as a second-generation player. Uh, But that effort becomes a much more special product when you appreciate it's paired with one of the most dynamic athletic profiles eligible for this year's class. He came in at number two on the Athletics' Bruce Feldman's Freaks list, the annual list of the best athlete freak athletes in college football. Uh, Length, power, fundamentals, effort, speed. They're all there, and uh, he has fully realized his potential this year. Ironically enough, he is currently, as of uh, going into the Ohio State game, he is not currently leading the team in sacks. That honor goes to David Ojabo, uh, but you do watch them play Michigan, and it is quite clear that that left guard or that right guard at times is quite often heading 97's way, and he, he's the one who gets a little bit extra attention a lot of the time as far as the rush uh, for Michigan that has two really, really good prospects in it this year. Um, I have no qualms about projecting Hutchinson into any kind of defensive system, odd or even front, four-man down, three-man down, rush outside linebacker from a two-point stance, coming out of a three-point stance with his hand in the dirt. Uh, Teams that like to uh, heat you up, and get uh, special rush packages, whether it's like the Patriot-style 5-0 pressure package or the NASCAR personnel. They're going to love Hutchinson because throughout the course of his time at Michigan, he played stand-up outside linebacker, uh, base end, 
four eye three technique was down on uh, zero tech when he was playing for Don Brown. Uh, and he is somebody who has a lot of experience and a lot of wins in a lot of different alignments going all the way back to 2019. Uh, when you watched him play, they played against Alabama in the bowl game that year. And uh, he still found a way moving all around on that front against Alabama's offensive line to have an impact. Uh, he did have a broken leg last year, which helped contribute to his return to college football in 2021. But that decision has probably boosted his draft stock by at minimum a half a round and is going to end up making him a lot of money. I appreciate the fact that he's experienced a transition in defensive systems. They brought in Mike McDonald, the linebackers coach from Baltimore, to run the defense this year. And he's very active pre-snap, making the calls, getting guys lined up, signaling with his hands, a very cerebral football player. Uh, reminds me a lot of Nick Bosa as far as his pass rush counters and his ability to win and, and play off uh, and the athleticism that he brings to the table. Uh, he's billed as, according to Bruce Feldman, a better athlete than either one of the Bose brothers, uh, which is pretty eye-opening um, kind of factoid about him as a prospect. But if you're outside probably the top five, you'll either be ready to trade up or go find another one of these great pass rushers in this year's class. One of my, my favorite things that you brought up uh, earlier, um, and you, you hinted at it in this presentation of Hutchinson, was talking about the defensive coordinator change and what that meant from a rush coordination perspective in terms of mm -hmm. it being a bit more straight up now as opposed to running some two-man game and, and just trying to design ways to get people free and I think I've since you've said that I thought a lot about going back and thinking about watching Quiddy Pay and even Josh Uche and, and some of those those pass rushers and how you kind of wish you saw some more straight up opportunities and you you're, you saw that from Hutchinson and your watch and so like I enjoyed you you expanding on some of those dynamics and how that's brought out even more in Hutchinson and I thought that maybe that would be a good thing for you to rehash here a bit. Yeah, so the games that I watched from this year on tape with all 22. I watched three games from previous seasons, Ohio State and Alabama in 2019, Alabama being the bowl game. I think that was in January 1st game, so it was technically 2020 calendar year. Uh, Minnesota last year. And then I watched Washington, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Indiana, Nebraska, and Penn State from 2021. And um, did not really see him condensed inside in pass rush situations all that often. He was a man on the line of scrimmage, either a two or three point stance. Uh, kind of their nickel rush group was him and Ajabo with two defensive tackles, uh, usually 58 and 15. And they're killing them. And, and you know, if they brought, they brought pressure, it was usually off the edge. Daxton Hill, they've moved into the nickel this year and he's firing off the edge. But it's not a lot of the the sim pressures and overloads with droppers underneath and you got linebackers mugged up in gaps. And you, if you remember studying like Cam McGrone and Josh Uche, like you said, and how those guys were up on these interior gaps and sometimes they're firing, sometimes they're looping. Sometimes you got your, your defensive linemen who are lined up in a and B gaps and they're slanting and crashing and, and trying to occupy and bump offensive linemen off their spots to create these rush lanes they're just trusting Aiden Hutchinson. And I'll tell you what, his ability to cut inside is about as smooth as any pass rusher I've seen in the last couple of years. Where, first of all, I think he's got the heaviest hands 
of a top of the first round pass rusher in the last couple of years too. When you, when you talk about reducing angles, which is something we've talked about a lot on this show about kind of collapsing an offensive lineman, that initial punch and blow, and you see him um, consistently with that punch extending through playing on the plus side of the line of scrimmage. Now, usually you would associate that kind of physicality with sec country, Joe. And, you know, we're going to get a chance to see some SEC country here. You know, as a quick aside, in the next couple of days. So you want to remind everybody about yeah. what's going on with the, with the dudes? Yeah. What could possibly be better than guys being dudes on the road in Atlanta, mm-hmm. December mm-hmm. 4th, the Draft Network, mm-hmm. the TDN team, which is the Draft Network, Draft Dudes, the Bud Light Seltzer folks, we're all going to be down there in the CSX lot across from Mercedes-Benz Stadium for Bama versus Georgia, the SEC championship on the line. Uh, certainly a, a big game when it comes to the college football playoff implications. I, I can't wait to see what Chris is going to do if Alabama loses and then the committee still puts him in with two losses. That should be uh, quite, the, uh, quite the podcast to to not miss when, when Shuby has to deal with handling those emotions. I, I've heard some rumors about there being a – a guest DJ that you wouldn't want to miss. Uh, you know, look, there's a lot, there's a lot going down December 4th in the CSX lot across from Mercedes Benz stadium. We want to see you there. Bud Light Seltzer, the draft network draft dudes bringing you the tailgate for the sec championship game. So come on out, hang out with us and have a good time. Um, so, I, now, real so quick, anyway, can I sneak sneak in one more here for a question here? Are you, are you you want to continue that thought? Yeah, I just wanted to finish real quick that okay. um, uh, Aiden's Aiden's inside swim move is very very good. So the fact that it, it sets up as well as it does is because he's he's a four six athlete and he's got powerful hands, so he can convert speed to power. But he's got a nasty rip and dip that he'll hit you with outside. So a lot of times you see these guys are real eager to kind of eke out, eke out, eke out, um, and then. Because they've let these guys off the leash this year, what he'll end up doing is coming in with this real tight inside swim move and working back across face Well, when you do overset him. So he's an absolute nightmare to account for everything that he does as a pass rusher. I want to do the worst possible thing in the world, and I want to retract my desire to ask a question. And the reason – Chris, Chris, no, no, th- I did this for you because the question that I was going to ask is, like, entire podcast worthy, and I'm not trying to hold Kyle to, like, a minute. You know what I mean? Like, this is something that I think would be good for us to examine potentially later in the cycle to really, really have a conversation I think a lot of people will care about. So I- I'm retracting my, my desire to ask a question. It has been removed from the record. Uh, you never even attempted to ask a question on the show. Thank you. All right. You have anything else? Anybody, any, any other questions for Aiden? Uh, well, Joe just retracted his question. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. I don't know, I, I I don't know what in, else. To, yeah, I put, put us, us in a weird spot. spot. I put us in a bad spot. But it, So, no. So nobody's got anything for me, huh? Well, no. I, the, the, a, a bit of the question I was going to ask you, and I and I at risk of this going further than I wanted to. So now you're when, just going to ask the question. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm, the second part of the question I'm not going to bring to the table. When you gave this presentation to the scouting staff, yes. you know, I, I'm listening to the way you're you, you're talking about Hutchinson, and, and and I had to say, why would he fail? You know, I think that's a good question to to ask when you're talking about. This type of talent, I, honestly, it's a good question to ask about any prospect that you're 
that you're considering? Like, why would they fail? Yeah. Yeah. And so I liked your answer there, but I don't want to go too far. I don't want to go exactly where we went in the meeting because I thought that was probably a good entire show conversation if you guys okay. can read between the lines. Yeah. So I would I, I'll give them the first portion of what my response was, which was Aiden Hutchinson is both a high floor playing player and a high ceiling player. And that becomes very appealing, right? When you kind of get a sense for what you're what you believe you're going to be getting. And um, I would say Aiden Hutchinson follows the pathway that we have most frequently seen high-level pass rushers take to getting to being high-level pass rushers at the NFL level. There are a lot of parallels with his game and his style of play. And it gives me a high level of confidence that no matter what system you put him in, no matter what scheme he's in, no matter what other players are around him, um, obviously every player is somewhat dependent upon having competency around them, that Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a very, very, very good and impactful player at the NFL level, which is why he is my highest to date assigned grade, top 10 valuation. Probably going to be tough to beat from your bucket, right? Well, I got Linderbaum that I got to finish for today's presentation. He ain't going to beat Aiden Hutchinson. I've done a Jabo. I've done a Lave. Um, yeah. You got Notre Dame. You got Notre Dame. You got what's Notre Dame. Give me that's going to, what's that going to give me that's going to challenge Hamilton? Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, you know what? Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, duh, Kyle. Yeah, um, he's pretty good. Thinking... He's, yeah, he's a pretty good player. Some chances. I'm pulling up the rest of my, my regional <laughs> watch list. Um, Ohio State's not going to have anybody that's that's going to challenge that. I would be very surprised if Penn State, despite having several guys I think could be first-round prospects, uh, is going to beat that. I don't think – I'd be very surprised if Karlaftis beats that. I'd be surprised if Wisconsin doesn't have anybody that's going to touch that, we're being honest. Um, and then my two SEC teams are Kentucky and Missouri. So it's probably Kyle Hamilton or Bust. Beat that. It's a good player. This was a good week here on the Draft Dudes podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow along. We got a lot of great content coming, a lot more of these deep dive scouting conversations for individual prospects as we continue to get through them in our region at first. And then we go through cross checks, and that's when we'll really be able to start painting big picture, deep dive, nuanced conversations about not just individual prospects, but the entirety of a class. Uh, this process is fluid. There's only so much time of the day. We got to watch these guys one at a time and really be nuanced with them and, and give each one of them the attention that they deserve as they are preparing to make the jump to the NFL. So it's a long Long haul, and we hope you are there with us. Kyle Krabs with Jomer and Chris Schubert. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. We hope you make it a great one. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.